Hello and welcome to the Monash Musculoskeletal Research Unit podcast. Uh, in this episode, I'll be chatting to digital health expert, Dr. Mark Moroli. My name is Patrick Valance. I'm a physiotherapist and PhD candidate at Monash University and a member of the Monash Musculoskeletal Research Unit. Uh, and today I'll be stepping into the interviewer seat. Dr. Mark Moroli is a physiotherapist and senior lecturer and research fellow in the School of Health Sciences and Centre for Digital Transformation of Health at the University of Melbourne. He is also a researcher in the Centre for Health, Exercise and Sports Medicine. Mark is an expert in digital health, having completed his PhD in digital self-management support in healthcare. Since Mark has published over 40 peer-reviewed articles that collectively have been cited just shy of 900 times. Recently, Mark has been a driving force progressing uh, the space of digital health competencies. Welcome to the podcast, Mark. Thanks, Pat. Nice to have. Uh, nice to be on. Uh, Mark, uh, we touched briefly there on your background. Would you like to talk us through that in a bit more depth? Uh, yeah, happy to. Uh, when, when you're sort of talking through all that, it just kind of makes me realize and, and remember how many hats I'm wearing these days. Uh, but I guess taking a bit of a trip down memory lane. Uh, I've been a physio sort of postgraduate um, in the workforce for 15 years now. So uh, those years have, they do get away from you, but um, my background's predominantly uh, almost exclusively in private practice uh, in the sports sector. So musculoskeletal and, and sports. Uh, I used to do a lot of uh, elite sport, uh, spent pretty much the first eight to 10 years of my career working full-time six days a week uh, in a sports med clinic. Uh, and, and obviously, uh, you know, we're going to talk a little bit more about how, how that background shifts uh, a little bit. I currently practice at your leader, Pete Maliaris's clinic in, uh, in Melbourne, uh, complete sports care. Uh, so that, that's great. I still practice a couple of nights a week. Uh, so I'm part-time practice on top of a full-time uh, academic career, which you you described a little bit there. So I'm a senior lecturer and a research fellow uh, at Melbourne Uni at the moment. Uh, so that that involves work in the physio department. Uh, so sort of routine, standard physio skills and musculoskeletal and sports teaching. Uh, but I've also got a, a role that's uh, a joint position between School of Health Sciences and the Centre for Digital Transformation of Health, which you mentioned. And so really uh, that part of my role, uh, I guess, is to try and advance digital health practice from a workforce perspective, but also try and foster research collaborations across, you know, said people working in, um, in tech, um, information systems, IT, uh, as well as essentially our health professional researchers across allied health. Absolutely. Now, um, you have a, an obvious passion for digital health. Um, was that, uh, was that there prior to commencing your PhD? What was the, the interest in, in digital health? Why did you do a PhD in this space? Yeah, it's a great question. It, it kind of came about in a roundabout way, really. Uh, I think there's no, ne not necessarily accidents in life. Uh, but as I said, I mean, from a clinical perspective and being a physio, uh, as I said, I, I think I have a pretty typical story of someone who went through university and, wanted to be a sports physio and I mean, I still love sports physio, but you know, working hands-on clinical full-time, that was my, my career path. I mean, I've always been interested in technology. So as, and that's why I kind of say there's no accidents. I, I actually took one or two IT subjects when I was in high school. Uh, I think one, when I was at school, they kind of, I think encouraged you to have diverse interests, even though 
I kind of knew I wanted to be a physiotherapist and you do, you study life sciences and you study uh, chemistry, biology, mathematics, all the things that are going to get you to a physio degree. Uh, but at the same time, um, you know, try, try and have something that's a little bit different. So uh, I've always enjoyed tinkering, you know, with computers. I think growing up, uh, my dad had pretty much every new gadget under the sun and I, I was kind of exposed to all that stuff. We had an Apple Mac when they first came onto the scene. And so I was always mucking around with a computer. And I think from school uh, through, you know, as I said, doing IT subjects, I, you know, learn how to build and code a database and, you know, design a website and, and things like that. And I guess, look, long story short, it, it's kind of what then, you know, kind of went full 360 degrees really for me. And I lived over in the UK uh, for about three years as a lot of good physiotherapists do and live abroad and travel, uh, I really started to realize how how much sort of, I guess, IT had a potential application in healthcare. Uh, so for example, you know, I mean, I was living overseas from 2009 to 2011. So maybe a bit before your time, Pat. Um, but, uh, you know, we started to realize, you know, social media, Facebook, Twitter, these sorts of things had an application, you know, in healthcare. Hospitals, health organizations were starting to, you know, start Facebook groups and use Twitter, communicate with people. And, you know, every website had a blog, you know, people were making YouTube videos, online support groups for health. So I started to just get really, really interested and think, wow, you know, it's kind of that perfect marriage of two interests, uh, you know, healthcare and technology. And and, and so I guess really it, it, it also kind of came from what I was witnessing in my own practice. And that's kind of the story I tell people as to how I ended up, you know, as you said, I, I did a PhD looking at how people use the internet and social media to manage, you know, pain conditions, really self-management of, of chronic conditions. And for me, it was just, you know, going from starting my physiotherapy career in a pretty, you know, I call it patriarchal uh, paradigm, meaning, you know, people come in and see the physio and they, they just, they want answers. They want help. I have pain, fix me. What, what's wrong? Fix it. Uh, and then all of a sudden you kind of, you know, after a few years of practicing, people are coming in with printouts from Wikipedia and hey, I, I saw this, you know, I, I learned how to tape my knee from a YouTube video that I watched, you know, and, and et cetera, et cetera. And I kind of went, you know, I'm actually quite interested in, in how technology is changing that whole patient practitioner relationship. Can I leverage technology to do what I do better? And essentially that, that's pretty much, you know, kind of what led me to, to that path instead of doing a, a very clinical PhD. I, I think I was actually going to do my PhD in the thoracic spine, but that's a conversation for another time. Uh, I ended up going down a very different path. And, but I mean, since I finished my PhD five and a bit years ago now, uh, it, it's really just opened all those doors and it's led to a much wider, you know, digital health vocab, um, consulting in a variety of areas and, and, a, and a variety of research interests, which is we're not no doubt going to talk about. Absolutely. So that's a really, really good background. And, um, you know, it's a very relevant topic uh, for, for listeners. Uh, by, by the stage this is released, uh, Nick Hughes' chat should be released as well. And, and yeah, Mick being a big uh, social media user and, and, and shares a lot, of, uh, a lot of clinical information through the, the social media streams. Uh, yeah, this this will give some of the the background for you know, the, the work being done in that space. You know how how is um, social media being leveraged, and um, as well, would you say that there's a particular and, and growing importance of understanding digital health and 
social media and the use of, of uh, these forums given uh, current climate. Uh, COVID uh, obviously has forced us to, to use uh, and access information differently and, and also technology evolving quite a bit. Hundred percent. Then that could, you know, this sort of this question alone could be a topic of conversation in and of itself. I mean, one, the the digital the digital health practice sphere, which again we'll unpack probably a little bit more here. Uh, I, I think you know has become probably more topical and urgent and required and interesting. Um, you know, we, we don't have to look any further than COVID nineteen to see what's happened and how sort of rapid that uptake has had to had to go. So I, I certainly think uh, from a yeah. Yeah, digital competency, which you mentioned before, and physios needing to be across this space and health health professionals more broadly, because I know you've got uh, broader uh, listeners than, than just physios. But yeah, absolutely. I think it's becoming really, really important as kind of part of our overall you know, DNA of what it is to be a health professional to understand technology, its application, its use, its opportunities, its barriers, all these things. I mean, you mentioned social media and, and that's a really evolving space too, because as I said, when I when I tackled this space and started it sort of more formally, uh, I started working up a PhD protocol proposal in 2010 when I started getting interested in this space. It was more from the perspective of, you know, how do people um, connect with, you know, communities of like-minded individuals, um, illness support, social support, you know, how do they source information? But that, you know, the, the whole online health information space has probably made social media even more topical now. Uh, you know, we, we've got, Guys, you know, like, um, you know, the, say, yeah, Chesham, um, so Centre for Health, Exercise and Sports Medicine, where, where I'm a researcher at Melbourne, uh, the Latrobe University team and yourselves uh, at Monash starting to recognise, you know, the, the sort of online medium for knowledge translation is becoming a very, very powerful space. You know, people want information, they want it readily available, they want it digestible and they want it engaging and they want it quicker than it takes, you know, to publish a journal publication which you know is written for an academic audience right so social media you, you probably be aware um christian barton who we've talked about and i work with as well um he and i wrote a paper about using social media for knowledge translation a couple of years ago so i think yeah the social media space is very topical now for how you know how we throw information out into the world and how people connect with it uh, but at the same time i mean we don't need to look too much further than what's happening at the moment with, you know, we all saw, and, and it's a, probably a very Australian problem at the moment, but Facebook blocking access to news content on their platforms. I mean, that, that becomes very important for us to be across because, you know, as researchers, as health entities, as organizations, you know, what happens, you know, and, and they did, they started to block, you know, information that came from hospitals about vaccines and stuff like that. You know, we're starting to play into a very real space here where, you know, the social media space versus, you know, reputable health information, there's a real tension there. So this is, you know, really just highlighting again, how literate we need to be in the digital space as health professionals. Um, that leads really nicely into your current research. Uh, would you like to give us a bit of detail on, on what you've been up to of late? Um, and and uh, you're presenting some of this as well at the World Physio Conference. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that that's right. So the World Physio Congress uh, is something that's coming up in April. Uh, I, I've really jumped on on that scene in the last six years. My first World Physio Congress was in 2015. Uh, you know, just as a general plug for World Physio, uh, for anyone listening, I think it's a great sphere. 
you know, it's the coming together of thousands of physios from all over the world and, of course, a virtual event this year. So I'm, I'm certainly involved in a bunch of sessions. I mean, I've got research being presented there and a couple of panels, uh, all, all pretty much situated around digital practice and digital research. You, you yourself are very across my work because you're working with me at the moment. Yep. Uh, and, and, yep, I've done work with Peter uh, in this space as well. So... Look, for, from a research perspective and what I'm working on right now, I'd probably break it down into two categories. One uh, would be digital models of care. I, I'd sort of, you know, give it that that phrasing, that phraseology. So, you know, in that space, for example, uh, Peter led a project that I was uh, a CI on as well, where we looked at uh, allied health professionals' uptake of telehealth um, during COVID-19. So telehealth clearly has become a very topical mode um, of healthcare delivery and, and musculoskeletal research um, in the face of COVID-19. So we, we looked at that and I mean, we can talk about that or not talk about that. That's fine. Uh, the work that you and I are doing, obviously, and actually, and Peter um, is going to be working with us on that as well. Another area that's become a bit of a passion of mine is uh, the digital behavior change sphere. So, you know, behavior change research has, has really taken off and, and it's been around for a very long time. Um, Digital behavior change, maybe not so long. You know, that, that's probably still an evolving and emerging area. So digital behavior change, you know, in a kind of physiotherapeutic musculoskeletal space, probably even less so. So as we're starting to look at, uh, you know, the behavior change techniques that, that digital can deliver to support, you know, to support care, to support exercise and other self-management activities. So the project that you and I are working on at the moment um, is looking at, you know, mobile apps uh, that support physiotherapy care and the behavior change connotations and techniques that are employed by those and how they can, uh, yeah, how they can support physiotherapy management of people, you know, say with musculoskeletal or other physio related conditions. And the other, and the other sort of, I guess, research work that sits very much in my wheelhouse, so to speak, is I'm doing a lot of work in the kind of workforce advancement space for lack of a better explanation I um I did some work over the last sort of six months that we're or six to twelve months that we're in the kind of publication write up stage of at the moment, where we looked at uh, musculoskeletal yeah, physiotherapists working in the musculoskeletal space as well as patients who have received musculoskeletal care to sort of look at you know what their routine practices have been you know how how do you assess a patient how do you manage them and if you are a patient you know how how do you engage with your own health data, how do you collect and record information about yourself? And then, you know, where might digital fit into that overall approach? You know, would you be willing to use various functions of different digital technologies to support, you know, X, Y, Z uh, around how you manage a musculoskeletal condition? And that's been a really, really interesting space. And we're in the sort of write-up stage of that and hoping to, hoping to present some of that at the Australian Physio Association Conference later in the year. Uh, and the other piece of work that I'm doing, which is a big feature of the World Physio Congress stuff, has pretty much been to unpack uh, physiotherapy practice standards. So for those physio listeners and for you and me and, and your team, you know, that, that's essentially the practice thresholds that we subscribe to that say, if I'm going to be a practicing physiotherapist, these are the competencies that I must possess. So for example, in Australia, uh, in Asia Pacific, we have the Australian and New Zealand practice thresholds that guide that. Might be something you haven't looked at since university, Pat, but uh, that's one example. 
So essentially what we did there was take as many of those from around the world as we could find, unpack them, uh, extract any statements within those domains that they present that would be related directly to digital practice or have connotations to be related to digital practice and just basically see, you know, within our current practice guidance expectations, does it say anything about needing to be skilled in digital practice? Uh, so that, that's the other work I'm doing. And, and obviously we're hoping to piggyback that. The next phase of that work is to actually try and develop a competency framework for the physio profession that speaks to, you know, the importance of and what digital domains you should be good at and, and need to do and at what level. So that's, uh, that's a bit of a beast of a project, but we're starting to work on that. Well, you're certainly busy. You're very busy. busy. Yeah. Um, and a lot of these works, they're going to be uh, far reaching and, and having a big impact on, on clinicians um, and, and the way we, we practice. And um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to highlight how important this work is with um, the increased emphasis on use of, of digital health. Um, now, before we wrap up, uh, one final question. Uh, if you had a, a clinical pearl, that would be a bit of a game changer for young clinicians. What would that be? That's a, that, that was a good question. And, and you obviously supplied me with that. Uh, think about this for the podcast beforehand. So it certainly gave me a bit of time to reflect. Look, a, a couple of schools of thought on it, Pat. One, uh, don't be afraid of technology. And that might sound like a bit of an oxymoron because you know, young people and technology, you know, but we shouldn't assume things. What I'm trying to say by that, I think is that, you know, if we're going to use technology, uh, I think it requires a more concerted approach. I think we tend to get a little bit excited about technology and lose our head with it. Um, you know, we need to think as, you know, as academics, as researchers, as, as um, critical clinicians, so to speak, you know, We've got to quality appraise the technology before we use it. We have to think about evidence-based practice and you know, what's the evidence for technology. So I think that requires the same approach and rigor that we bring to our, our non-digital research. That's, that's one. And the other one really would just be to, you know, be open to stepping outside your comfort zone uh, because my career is pretty much evidence of that. I think, you know, as I said, I, I was going to do a PhD looking at, scapular dysfunction and thoracic spine and pain and autonomic nervous system. You know, I, you know, I was just really interested in, in the thoracic spine because we still don't know a lot about it. It's, you know, we, we're learning more, but it was an enigmatic clinical area. And here I go, you know, I've become a sort of digital practice uh, researcher and, and clinician. So, you know, I, I think you need to be open to stepping outside the box um, and who knows where it could take you. It could open a lot of doors. It um, certainly is a different direction, isn't it? Uh, with uh, You mentioned the quality appraisal of, of um, digital health. Uh, would you have any, any suggestions there or any, any tools that you'd look to, um, yeah. anything you'd explore? This is, this is definitely something you and I have talked a lot about uh, and, and it's probably become another, you know, I guess, um, I don't know how to explain it, but, you know, a bit of a passion of mine to, sort of really bring that to the forefront for researchers, you know, particularly researchers in musculoskeletal who are starting to apply more and more digital to, to their research. So, you know, the, the thing that we've talked about here is that, you know, when we, when we work with digital in musculoskeletal research, we need to appreciate that there are particular nuances that digital practice brings to our research. So, you know, for example, you know, I, I talk a lot about the socio-technical model you know that's very much what we call part of the sort of technology acceptance model and, and this is what 
working in digital health or health informatics helps you learn, but perhaps that researchers in Musk that are coming to the digital space just don't know. You know, and, and when I talk about the socio-technical model, it's appreciating that, um, you know, when we apply different technologies to our research, we need to, we need to understand that there's factors to do with the technology itself, the adopters of the technology, the end users, uh, the wider environment that you're expecting that research to be undertaken in, you know, um, you think about carers, think about, um, you know, your organization. And, you know, when we do clinical research, you know, are the people working around you uh, going to readily accept technology and they're going to support it? Are they going to champion it, et cetera? What's the, what's the regulatory landscape, the wider, you know, reimbursement, you know, because we know that again, the technology, yes, with COVID uh, is being reimbursed more, but is that here to stay, you know, and if, and if it's not going to be funded, who's going to pay for it? And that's going to impact the outcomes of research as well. And, and the last part of that for me is that, you know, we're, we're very good at RCTs and systematic reviews, and it's pretty much guided, you know, robust research and evidence in musculoskeletal for, you know, for years. It's, it's pretty much what we hang our hat on. Good, high quality, systematic reviews, RCTs, et cetera. When we approach digital research, we're still not quite there yet, right? And so from, from a digital perspective, uh, until, you know, the last few years, a lot of that research has been exploratory you know, observational studies, surveys, uh, focus groups, workshops, et cetera. So with that, and, and as you and I are seeing with sort of systematic review research, you know, in the digital space now, we have so much heterogeneity in studies, varying study quality, the evidence base is, is really variable. So, you know, sometimes, and this is when, when you look at systematic reviews that have been conducted on mobile apps or telehealth or, variety of other digital interventions, virtual reality, online health information, they often comment that one, meta-analysis was either not able to be performed or hard to do. Two, you know, yeah, the, the variety of quality, the study, study quality was really variable and that made it really, really difficult to, you know, to analyze because, you know, the comparators were different or, you know, how, how do we really, you know, know that it was the digital intervention component that made the difference? So for that reason, we need to start reply, uh, relying on more and more of these, you know, frameworks and evaluation methods in digital. So there are, and, and so uh, sorry, I've taken a real long way to get to, to get to it, Pat, but, you know, there are measures and um, outcome measures and other frameworks that we can turn to, to apply to our research. So things like, uh, you know, I've, I've been working with people uh, on quality of online health information as part of their research and, you know, the discern instrument, uh, the on code, you know, the, these are uh, validated measures that we can use to reliably and, and, you know, in a valid way, measure the quality of online health information. We've got the mobile application rating scale, which is a validated measure to assess the quality of mobile apps in health. You know, we've got things like that have just come out in the last you know, six, 12 months, the abacus scale to assess the behavior change potential of mobile apps. So these are certainly ways to perhaps bring some of that rigor that hasn't been there in digital research, you know, going forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, we'll link in uh, some papers uh, that you've, you've mentioned throughout the, the talk today. Yeah, to for the, sure. The show information. Um, if, if listeners are wanting to follow your work and, and keep up to date with, with what you're up to, uh, where would they, where would they do that, Mark? 
Oh, but I guess wherever you want to search for my work, uh, you know, Twitter, like, Twitter handle. Yeah. Twitter handle at Maroli M. So that's M E R O L L I M at, at uh, Twitter. And obviously I'm on LinkedIn as well. Um, that's a great way to connect too. Otherwise I think you can find research papers, PubMed, Scopus, uh, Google Scholar. However. Yeah, yep, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and you've got those talks coming up at, at the World Physio Congress as well. So look out for that. Yeah, for um, sure. Dr. Mark Maroli, thank you very much for joining us today to talk digital health. Thanks, Pat. <laughs>